Welcome to another episode of the Next Level Rising podcast. It's been quite a while since our last podcast, um, three or four months or so actually. Um, a lot has changed in that time. Uh, the Next Level Personal Training Studios has seen a lot of new faces come in and a lot of old faces uh, move on, uh, myself included. I've moved over to uh, South Carolina where I'm in charge of a uh, an amazing group of uh, trainers and, and wellness staff for the YMCA of Greenville, um, a really forward-thinking, progressive um, YMCA association. I'm very proud and excited to be a part of it. A lot of good trainers, a lot of good uh, uh, exercise science minds, um, somewhere where I felt I fit, uh, fit very well. Um, and at the same time, uh, Chad and I have stayed in contact over the last few months, and we wanted to get back into podcasting, getting some our, of our ideas out. Uh, and uh, so here we go. We're back at it. We're going to kind of get back into the swing of things, starting slow here, just whenever we can. This first episode here, we've got uh, talking about starting off, um, kind of going to cut into a, a, a conversation we were having. Uh, so it's going to jump right into us talking about uh, some difficult clients. Uh, but then we also bring up topics like um, compassion training, um, something uh, both both of us believe in, and uh, and some uh, some actual um, biosignature stuff, some Charles Poliquin science on you. So. Uh, sit back, enjoy, and here we go. You know, one of the the first things, you know, really just with the difficult clients is is not necessarily stuff you learn in the book. You know, you always have your modifications and you always have your, um, uh, you know, contraindications, things you got to be aware of. But, you know, until until you run into something, you know, that you've got to, uh, work on uh, or modify, you know, it's kind of, it can be difficult. And I think the, for me, you know, right now, the, the clients that, that I run into or, or one in particular uh, is just, he's got some medical issues and some limitations and yet even still within the accepted or, or allowed types of exercises, he's just having a really hard time uh, getting some of them done. And so it's, that's more or less what, you know, what I've got going on right now. Yeah. Just some things he's got to worry about, um, getting the heart rate up, but at the same time, you know, you know, for exercise, but at the same time with, with so many, um, you know, medications that he's on plus, um, you know, just lack of activity for so long. It's, it's been difficult. Yeah. 
Right, right. Well, I, just, uh, I think that's the hard part is that I think we try to do, and I think we think we can do more than we can. Yeah. Uh, the best thing that you can be as a guide and influence so that it carries over to the rest of his life. Because to me, that's the, that's the part I'm trying to get across so long. Like, you have to be your number one caregiver or, you know, for a practitioner, someone who needs to take responsibility for their own health. And that might be for me stretching more, uh, or for you eating protein every two hours, and for him, you know, maybe just lowering it for intake a little bit, spreading his deals out a little bit. Right. But that's, uh, that's just the whole formula is tough, tough to accomplish. I think that's where the positive situation come back in. You know, that's, um, and, and I don't know if you guys have that type of setup there. Yeah. Um, but you know how, how we were trying to, kind of set up all those positive associations and link that up to exercise. Try to make that the, the, the consistency that eventually we're going to overtake them. <laughs> you know, yeah. where it was a positive to come in there. And I think we, you saw it work most of the time. It does work most of the time, but can't save them all. No. And, you know, the one thing that we're dealing with, and, and I should clarify that that uh, this, the clients I'm, I'm referring to right now are in, in our in our system, not, not my particular individual one. This is one that one of my trainers is dealing with. So I'm trying to help him, you know, through that. Um, and, and, you know, some of our, some of my trainers, not all of them, but a handful of them are new. And so the, like I said, these are the kind of the, the things that are the first time they're dealing with these issues. And, and I, that's for me been very rewarding in the sense that I, you know, uh, they're, they're taking a step back and looking at it, you know, in like, oh, <laughs> yeah, the, the textbook didn't cover this, and you know, now, now, what do I do? And um, that's that's when you can see them growing as as trainers and, and you know, really understanding, like you like you just said, that personal relationship that you're building with with the client um, is going to lead to the trust, which is going to lead to them being more compliant and so on and so forth. And and uh, yeah, but it just takes a it, uh-huh. Go ahead. No, it's on a very mechanical or technical level to think that I would advise your trainer to just change. It's to stay consistent on checking their food logs. You know, I mean, that's uh, harder to do. Again, they have to comply and they bring it back. But I mean, that's, that's what they can do on a very technical level. Very true. Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and again, that, that's an art itself of receiving this, you know, what looks like was written on a napkin. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> last minute handed to you, um, and then still not getting like, you know, getting some suggestions and not getting like their hands slapped. You know, and that's that's an argument. And it's also like, oh, it's not too bad, but let's add some protein here and maybe split this thing up and make it too easy. You know, mm-hmm. um, so that, that takes, takes time. And I would recommend that they um, definitely study the biomodulation or. Um, Bioprint, if you will, if that's what Charles Portland's calling it now. Basically, just understanding where, where that body fat is being stored and um, how to alter your nutrition to kind of change that around. So, that'd be the best thing for the trainer to understand. Right. And can you explain? I mean, I, I know the biosignature a little bit, but um, and I know there's 12 sites, but could you quickly run down what they are? And, and like, if, if I have fat in the 
abdominal region, what hormone is associated with that? Absolutely, yeah. The um, sites start up on the face, um, so first the cheek, um, and then the chin, and both are indicators of um, toxicity or um, an allergic reaction, usually. Mm-hmm. You know, so typically, if you're really puffy there, you're carrying extra, you know, abnormal amount of body fat in your face, that you could, that's a good indicator that uh, you might need to do a cleanse and or be aware of what you're ingesting or you're just coming in contact with. Um, then next, we're going to get to um, anterior sites, which will be your pec and your tricep. And then um, the subscapulare and above your iliac crest yeah. are your sugar sites. The one on your subscap is more of a cultural or intestinal type okay. um, indicator, meaning a long term one. You know, so if you're a uh, from smelling background and just don't absorb carbohydrates that great. <laughs> You're probably going to be higher there than someone who's an African American descent or something like African descent. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, and off the hip is a little more of a temporary sugar site. So if you're recently cheated and had some donuts, then that's going to probably show up and change more um, on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. <laughs> um, let's see here. Around the umbilical um, is your cortisol site. That's, yeah. And, and really, obviously, that's, we all know that. When you stress and, and or overstress, um, that's kind of where it collects. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, that's probably my highest site in it's often, I think, because of um, kind of paying with my credit card and, and using, kind of use, abusing caffeine to the point of, you know, wearing out my dream plans. You know, you, you got to see the price somehow, and that's, right. that is the price. So, um, let's see. What am I missing here? We got, we got glutes and quads. Yep, glute is going to be a xenoestrogen site, so um, estrogens that come from the environment, things that are plastic or styrofoam or artificially made, and that's kind of when we're coming in contact with a bunch of that type of stuff, that's, that's where that's going to show up. On the quad is an estrogen site, so what you produce naturally on the inside, that is for men too, so even if you're a, a red-blooded male, you produce estrogen, and, potentially can show up on your quadricep. Um, the knee and the calf are next. And, and uh, the knee is a good hormone site, and so is the calf. <laughs> I believe the knee also is a representation of the lower site as well. We know so, it's interesting, you know, hearing you go through those, I, uh, I just got done... Um, one of my classes that ended uh, in March, one of my online classes, um, was the, well. The class was in multicultural education, but the, my topic was uh, transgender individuals in sport, uh, particularly relating that to you know uh, the IOC's new regulations and you know what hormone levels, where home, hormone levels need to be for transgendered individuals to be able to compete internationally. And one of the one of the things that 
you know, in my research writing that paper, it brought me back to, gosh, the very first year I was training, I had an individual, uh, she came in and ran on the treadmill, uh, was, was a great marathon runner, um, and I was doing a, just a, a 12 site or pardon me, a seven site, uh, body fat, uh, check on her. And after doing all the, the pinches, uh, she, she mentioned that she in fact was, was, was still a male yet, yet having gone through two years of hormone therapy at that time, but hadn't had any kind of reassignment surgery. And so I was 22 at the time, maybe, uh, 23 and had only been doing this a, l a little bit, and so I had never had any kind of, there's nothing in any textbook, there was nothing, anything at that time that I could find resource-wise, do, do I run the numbers as a male or as a female, and, and what is that going to yeah. mean when there's stress levels that are going to change, you know, just, just in a human, uh, regardless of gender. And so, you know, I think that's where a biosignature like that is really going to, in the future, play an even bigger role because with, yeah, what's that? Yeah, I mean, so when, when you change and start taking, you know, the, the, your identified gender's hormones, um, you know, you, your body fat will redistribute in that, in that manner, which, um, you know, for, for someone going from, you know, a, a trans male going from female to male, uh, they actually are in increasing their health risks uh, just by where they're now going to be laying down their body fat. But it would be interesting to see, you know, uh, taking these measurements all along the way, you know, as they're transitioning. And, you know, that might be something that doctors are already doing, but... Uh, that I doubt it. I doubt it. Well... Right. I think you have to be on that forward-thinking um, level like maybe Charles is, is working on someone like that. into our original discussion about, you know, difficult clients or, or, or clients that you come across that, you know, don't fit the mold of the, what the textbook tells you, um, going back to the communication and having that relationship with your client, they'll, they'll feel comfortable telling you, you know, more pertinent information that you, the, the caregiver, you know, needs. And, um, you know, so like, like this runner, she felt comfortable enough telling me when we were, you know, doing that because I had worked with her for a little while. And when I worked with her, you know, from a, a running standpoint, I had no idea that she was transgender. I mean, I, I didn't know until she told me. And, you know, fortunately for her in that situation, she was very fit. So whether she was a male or a female, either way I ran the numbers, you know, there was uh, no no health risks associated. But, you know, there, there could have been it, it, if it had been a different scenario. And and so, yeah, she trusted me enough to, to let me know. And, um, but again, that comes with not, not just you get a client, you run through the 
the X's and the O's that you learned when you got your certification, but you know, really listening to the client and and uh, and trying to get them to open up to you. Um, again, like like we said, it takes it takes a little time, but it's it's well worth it for them and for you in the long run. Absolutely, you know, I'm saying excellent training that former student of yours right now, um, but uh, you know, he studied philosophy and uh, some of the more compassionate religions, then those, that's what's going to allow you to keep that emotional resilience, you know, along with maybe some modes of acupuncture and massage and you know, all the recovery methods that you and I constantly preach. Right. Um, but taking part in those yourself, you have to. You have to. And it's so funny that you mentioned that, um, Chad, because... Uh, just Friday, uh, uh, two days ago, we had a, a, a compassion intervention training uh, for. Our, oh, really? Yeah. And and it and I give credit to to our uh, to, to my bosses, uh, the uh, the directors. You know, they uh, they had noticed a, a few trainers, you know, having issue with some of our new programs that we're doing, uh, working with really really high uh, indigent population that you know has some really tough stories, backstories, you know, that, that led them to where they are now. And um, so they thought they were trying to be more proactive, and they brought in a, a, a counselor from, from the health system around here to, to talk to us trainers about, you know, about just what you said. And it's, um, it was really neat. It was, it was a really good training. Um, Great, but like I said, it was—it's so funny that you mentioned that. You know, we—you and I hadn't talked about that. We—you had no idea that we'd just gone through there. So for you to bring that up, it just, like I said, it, it says to me that, um, you know, that's that's definitely one of those things that is not, you know, done consistently enough. And like you said, just if you don't take care of yourself, not just physically and eating well, but that that spiritual part of the wellness model. Um, whatever that spiritual part is for you, um, if you're not taking care of that, you're not going to be up and ready to, to, to lead the people you're trying to lead. Absolutely. And I think, I think you, when you stop having fun in the gym and you stop getting excited about going there, it translates. You know, you, just, you look like you checked out. There's a lot of practitioners, not just in the personal training field, but doctors and other people that once they check out, they just, you just, you know, again, you're a shell of yourself. And, um, and, it's, and it's hard to see the on top and on the edge and be exuberant every day. Right. But the point is to stay, to stay above a baseline and consistently. And, and, and for that reason, you know, I always try to want to get super stressed at work or just about the business part. I keep reminding myself, this is gym class. You can't get too upset about gym class. Right. You know, you just can't. <laughs> you know, it's, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be. Uh, the part of the day that brings you up a little bit. So we got to continue to provide that for our people. Um, but from the compassion standpoint, um, tell me about looking forward and looking back um, and meaning that kind of doing the rocking chair test and, and how you want to be treated when you're old. Um, especially, I think, I think a lot of the compassion goes towards, you know, some of the older people we have to train. Um, I always try to look at, you know, not training like older man, aunt or uncle or even a father or mother, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and when you, when you take them and put them in that scenario, like giving this person what's best for them, right? Um, is it becomes easier, you know? Then, well, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to hurt this person. I don't. You know, I don't know what to do. Um, it's best to kind of approach it from a family member type uh, standpoint. 
Well, that's I mean that's a great strategy because it you got to find some some kind of way to put it in context for you in other work you know to make that change and I think that's a great idea. I've never even thought of it that way. Oh yeah. Family cycle, and, and then 